Will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? Welcome to Senior Living Connecticut, a show that explores solutions for Connecticut's adults striving for the best in senior living. I'm Bill Corbett, manager of Evergreen Crossings Independent Senior Living and author of the book, The 2.0 Entrepreneur. Every episode, I'm sitting down with industry area subject matter experts to find out what they've learned along the way, information about programs, so that I can then share it with my listeners, Connecticut seniors, and their families. I have grandparents like everybody else. One of the things that really worried me the most was leaving them unattended to potentially lose their money, uh, lose their safety, their security, maybe even lose their life, because it's not hard to know that there are people out there, desperate people doing desperate things. They're going to try to take money and things from other people. So it always worried me. So my guest today on the show is Officer Mark Clarendon. He's the public information officer with South Windsor Police Department. As a former police of uh, criminal investigator uh, with 15 years experience and in that particular field. And I've asked uh, Mark to come on the show to talk about fraud, especially when it deals with our seniors. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks, Bill. Thank you for having me. So I think a lot of people are listening to the show who are the what we call the the, the sandwich. Uh, generation where they've got kids and they got grandparents or they got their parents and they're worried about them. And I know as a manager of independent living, I think they come to the door all the time. They have to check on their parents and, and it's a difficult thing to know that they are not going to be a victim. Now it's good that they're in a community like ours, but they still have access to the internet and the telephone, the mail. And so at least we can physically keep them a little bit safer than in their home but other than that, things are a little worrisome. What what information can you share with us, Mark, so that to keep people alert who have seniors on how let's educate them on what kind of things are going on out there? So. Yeah, and you talked about the, the 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 physical dangers are less when they're in assisted living communities, but the the real dangers um, outside of that, which can be accessed through phone, internet. You know, mail, all that are still very, very real and, and unavoidable for someone like you who runs a facility like that. So, so these are definitely real problems that we see, you know, locally here in Connecticut. Um, you know, and, and some of the stuff I wanted to focus on had to do with, um, you know, some of the raw numbers we see and the, and the real value of loss that we see, see from elder fraud. Um, and, and that's a broad term. We'll, we'll try to narrow it down a little bit, but, um, you know, the, the FBI has the Internet uh, Crime Complaint Center and they track data related to these types of losses and they do it on a yearly basis and they submit out a report that gives us some some good information about how much we're really losing you know to put it in perspective to see what really you know what the amount of money that people are losing at some of these these um kind of uh the, these fraud fraud complaints so if we can talk about some of the statistics that you see mm-hmm. and to bring awareness to the adults who have seniors I mean, I mean, and then afterwards, maybe after the break, we can talk about some specific cases that you brought with you. And I think one of the big problems that I see frequently is when they're confronted, when a senior's confronted with having to know what to do, uh, how to navigate, 
you know, information that they don't want to bother their kids. Oh, no, no, they're, my son is too busy, you know, with my grandchildren. I don't want to bother him. And then they end up making their own choices and then get into trouble. Yeah, and a lot of times at that point, unfortunately, it's too late, you know, and that's a very common thing. We see, well, I didn't want to, I know my son's busy. I know my grandkids are busy. I didn't want to bother them with this. And, and, and usually by that point, when they start to realize that, that, that they've been, you know, got by a specific type of fraud, it's usually there's money already out the door that we're probably not going to be able to get back. So so some of the big numbers we see, and, and the latest report has the 2020 data, so it's two years old, and they try to play catch up as they can as the, as the numbers come in. But 2020, there were a total of almost 800,000 complaints sent to the international, I'm sorry, the Internet Crime Complaint Center through the FBI. Those reported losses from those 800,000 complaints, almost $4.1 billion in losses. And, and, and prior to coming there, we talked a little bit about, uh, yeah, that's a number of what was reported. So that's what we have right. in front of us. You know, that's what we know about. I can almost guarantee you there's probably 40, 50, 60% more that just simply didn't make its way to this database to be able to collect it for, for data analysis. So you could see, you know, almost double that in billions of dollars of losses. So you put that in that perspective and really, you know, it, it's, it's an astronomical money that regular, you know, everyday citizens are losing just because of fraud, just because of the sending money somewhere where it shouldn't have gone or being duped into a scam of some sort. So yeah, it's quite alarming. How do they categorize um, um, senior fraud? Do they call it senior fraud? Yeah, they, they call it senior fraud, and that would refer to victims who are over the age of 60 when they're victimized by whatever the type of fraud is. So over the age of 60 years old, this is what we refer to as elder fraud or, or senior fraud. Are there signs that people can look for that you're, that you're aware of that uh, you know adults who have seniors, what they can if they notice things to, to suddenly start taking a closer look, yeah, you know, a lot of it has to do with um, with unnecessary or uh, bank transactions, you know, you know, debit credit card transactions, you know, you know, depending on your your circumstances with your your, your grandparent, your parent who, who who is you know above that age. If you see if you have access to bank accounts and you see money coming and going that you're not necessarily familiar with, um, you know, that could be one of the first red flags. A lot of times that would prompt a conversation, which would then lead to some disclosure of information that, oh, well, this person called and they were asking for this. So they told me if I sent them X amount of dollars that I would receive this much money and and so on and so forth. So a lot of them come, unfortunately, before it's too late, that roundabout way where someone's checking a bank statement a month later and looking and say, hey, you know, mom or dad, where did this come from or where did this money go? And then it comes up in casual conversation. And before you know it, they're going, that doesn't seem right. So, um, and really a lot of them make their way to the police department to us in that kind of capacity where it's, you're talking a month or two after the fact, and then we have a responsibility to go back and try to take a look at where these transactions happen so we can document it appropriately. But um, that's why it's important for, uh, adults to consider becoming the POA and the power of attorney so they can look at these bank statements. Cause I can imagine some, some people may not feel comfortable asking mom or dad, can I look at your bank statements? And they go, why? You don't trust me? Yeah. You know, sure. right. And then it creates some yeah. conflict. Could, could open up another conversation. Uh, you know, I, you know, obviously I, I, I encourage people who are close with their parents who are, who are of a certain age to be able to have an open conversation about that type of thing. Or if not about the money, then about the, the date, the dangers of, you know, what a phone call from an unauthorized person, I mean, what an email opening might, might look like that could open the compu- a computer or an iPad or your phone up to fraud. So making sure that they're aware that there's other stuff out there that could draw them into this kind of fraudulent activity. Are there certain types of activities? We'll get into some cases after the break, but uh, some particular types of um, 
crimes that are rampant in Connecticut, and is Connecticut any different than any other part of the country? Yeah. So, so you know, if we're, if we're talking about some of the stats here, you know, um, you know, Connecticut kind of falls about halfway down with the number of victims per state out of the fifty states. They're ranked twenty six. There was, and this is all reported to to the fe- to the federal government through the ICCC. Um, you know, almost with over a thousand victims. Uh, in Connecticut who reported this information. And again, that number is probably way higher because I know, you know, just jurisdictionally in South Windsor, we have way more cases related to this than would, than what would reflect that number of over a thousand. Um, and if you look even further, you talk about the total losses, uh, in Connecticut. It's over, you know, over $10 million, which puts us again about rank 24th out of 50 states. Um, and if you include some territories, almost almost 60 different places they're they're drawing data from. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of money for, for a state that has 6 million people and then, you know, an elder population that's even less than that. So, so I, I would say we're not – in Connecticut, it's not no, more or less rampant than any other place in the country. Um, I, I would say that based off the size of Connecticut, you know, and you look at these numbers, you would expect this to be maybe a little further down just based off our total population. So it m- means, you know, we, we might have a little bit more than some other places, but it's definitely alarming um, that, that Connecticut kind of sits a little higher than most would expect in, in some of these categories. I would encourage people, you know, to make sure that you continue to tell your parent, look, uh, you're not, I'm not too busy. Ask me a question. Tell me what you've got. In fact, we even say that at the retirement community, you know, if you're, if you're afraid your, your son or your daughter's too busy, ask me. Come to the counter and I'll look over a piece of mail or let's talk about a, a phone call. And you know, interesting, uh, my wife and I were just watching a documentary, uh, the other night. The increase in, a, a, what, a romance fraud mm. for seniors mm-hmm. who are alone, who've lost a spouse, mm-hmm. especially females, and then the guy, this guy, this charming man comes into their life and is making them, giving them the feelings they've just you know, desired, and suddenly they're writing checks to them and giving them card numbers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it that's one of the top. That's one of the top ones we'll discuss after the break. Oh, that, is that, that right? Yeah, that people that that really results in a significant loss of money. Um, you know, because it plays on the heartstrings. Um, and, and really, the goal of a lot of these fraudsters is to get you in that too good to be true scenario or, or, or that emotional scenario and plan your emotions to try to draw those up. So when they start asking for money or asking you to send this there, you don't think anything of it because you've been drawn in by someone who is very skilled in being able to converse with you and kind of tell you what you want to hear. Um, so it becomes, again, the, these, the people who are committing these types of crimes, they're very, very manipulative. And their goal is to really kind of pull you in and keep you as close as possible so that you don't think twice about sending them a certain amount of money. And then the next time, if it's more, you don't think again. And like I said, usually it's not until that red flag goes off with someone outside of, you know, of you looks and goes, hey, mom or dad, what's this from? You know, and they say, oh, I've been talking to this nice person. And it's like, okay, well, (laughs) then you start asking more questions, you know, and the unfortunate aspect of this locally is that we, like I said, we see these too late. You know, we see these two, three, four months after money has been sometimes sent out of the country, you know, um, and a lot of it on us then becomes just documentation and and trying to assist banks with with, with getting contact and getting as much back as we can. But once people should have the expectation that once that money leaves, wherever it's coming from, it's not coming back, you know, and that kind of hopefully makes it real for a lot of people that before you put in your debit card number or go buy gift cards to give someone, you know, the numbers in the back so they can cash them. It's, you're not going to get it back. 
uh, and and people need to remember that. And again, you, you talked, Bill, that open line of communication between children and, and their their elderly parents or grandparents is crucial because if you are constantly part of their life in a positive way, right? Obviously, not constantly nagging or looking for this <laughs> or that, but getting involved and making sure you know what their behavior is like and you know what their checkbook looks like. If you know these things, and you can pick up on the fraud before it even happens. So you know? uh, we're almost out of time, but uh, can they contact their local? Police department, if if they suspect something, always, always. Okay. I, you know, you know, I can speak from South Windsor's perspective. We are a community based, based police department. We we offer services more than we do, you know, kind of criminal arrests, and that's part of the way we set up our department. So if if, if you are if you live in South Windsor, if, if most local police departments are the same, come. We will provide you with information. We'll provide you with resources um, to be able to kind of help you get a grip on whatever's happened. So. We've been talking with Officer Mark Clarendon of the uh, South Windsor Police Department about fraud, especially senior fraud and some of the risk that's out there. Really be and stay in touch with your uh, with your parent. Uh, notice what they're doing. Let them know that you're not too busy and that you can help out um, by look, uh, overlooking different things. Help them understand that there is no perfect becoming a millionaire the next day you know after the break we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some specific cases you've been listening to senior living connecticut a show that explores solutions for connecticut's family and adults to help them get the most out of life to have and to really enjoy the life they have now listen to us next week we'll see you then when i'm 64 